This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Mole from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Well, they made the big announcement, so it's official, Auckland, Auckland Level 4, everyone else is somewhat liberated. Um, how are you guys going? You know, how are you coping with the news? It's been a little while. I'm one of the few people I think that genuinely wanted it extended for selfish reasons, so I can keep working on these projects, but uh, um, for selfless reasons, uh, I hope it, everyone out there uh, can get liberated from the shackles of the oppression, modern day oppression. Uh, no, no, let's not get political. Um, so in this episode, we're going to talk about the uh, Australian property market, which for you, many listeners here in New Zealand would be like, well, what that? What has that got to do with me? Well, firstly, you might have, um, like most New Zealanders, done your little travel ditch across the ditch and uh, you work there, you've got an Australian super, um, you've also, you know, you own property and like, how does all that work? Like, what happens when you switch over or your family you're trying to convince them coming to New Zealand? So, firstly, let, let's just talk about the main difference between KiwiSave and Australian Super. So, Australian Super, they've just increased it as of July this year, where the employer has to put in 10%. So, if you put in 10%, there you go. That's a whole lot of money that's going towards it. In New Zealand, they're only required to put in 3%. So, you put in 3%, the employer is required to put in 3% as well. So it's a decent deal, but in comparison, it's pretty, you know, not that great. The counter to that, the way that Australian super as a general rule of thumb is taxed, um, I'm not an accountant, I'm a financial planner, so take this as generalist uh, just to give you an idea, and things may change over time. But currently, you're taxed about 15% in terms of the income portion of the portfolio. And then the other 10% is taxed on the capital gain. Um, so if you hold, uh, in Australia, if you hold something for over 12 months, um, you get a 50% discount on that capital gain initially. And then after that, um, I'm not too sure of the specifics, but then there'll be a tax liability each time you sell. So for example, you know you own some shares, the underlying fund provider decides they're going to change those shares, then you have uh, a capital gain tax liability on that. So to start off, 10% is a difference. The other thing, it's taxed differently. So 15% across the board, 10% for the capital gains. The point of difference in New Zealand is that that isn't a capital gains tax. There is something called the bright line test for property, which basically means if you flip your house and you're not living in it, it's an investment property, and the next 10 years, like you buy it from now, there's a few rules. It's 10, 5, and 2 years, depending on when you brought it. Generally speaking, it's like from 2018 to now, um, you got five years before you had the tax liability before 2018. If you brought it, there's a tax liability for two years. Um, 
That being said, in New Zealand, there's no capital gains tax apart from that bright line test, which technically isn't a capital gains tax, but, you know, it kind of is, let's be honest. Um, but in New Zealand, there's no capital gains tax on, let's say, you're, you make capital growth on your shares. So the shares increase in price, the property increases in price, the bonds increase in price. You're not liable for the tax uh, for the New Zealand portion of that in terms of tax and also the Australasian shares as well. So Australia and New Zealand because they have something that's called a double tax agreement. So um, the Australasian shares um, that you have don't realize the capital gain. Uh, the other thing they have, the tax rates that they have, instead of a flat rate, they have a tiered rate. So it's called your prescribed investor rate. So don't fall asleep when I start talking too much about tax. But basically, the vehicle that KiwiSaver uses, which is called a PIE fund, which stands for Portfolio Investment Entity, um, the way that's wrapped and the way that's set up is that it has a unique taxation on it, which is actually quite tax efficient if you earn quite a substantial income. So, for example, uh, 28% is the most you can get charged, which is a prescribed investor rate um, for portfolio investment entities, if you're still with me. So, basically, you've got the rate you're charged and for funds that are like KiwiSaver, and the rate that you're charged is 28%, 17.5%, and 10.5%. And the idea with that is it's based on your income. But if you think about it, your personal income you can actually get taxed up to 39% if you're earning over a certain threshold um, and there's 33% 30 and it progressively goes down so you imagine if you invest your money into KiwiSaver or a portfolio investment entity so PIE fund then the most your tax you're going to pay is 28% and you don't have a capital gains tax so you're only paying tax on the income of the portfolio and what they class as income isn't the fact that you're taking out money and using it as an income. What they're taking in consideration is parts of the portfolio that generate income. So that would be dividends. So dividends are basically just the percentage of the profits that are paid out to the shareholders. So if you own shares in a company, they pay you dividends. The percentage that you're paid out, so like say 3% dividends, you pay tax on that. The other thing is interest rates. So like at the bank, you pay tax on the interest that you benefit from the bank. Um, so if you had bonds or uh, cash as part of your portfolio with your KiwiSaver, you would pay tax on that, just on the interest portion. Um, and then uh, the rental income that you would generate from the property part of your KiwiSaver. So very, very little tax is actually applied to your KiwiSaver. So it's not a bad, not a bad deal because there's no capital gains tax. So that's a quick comparison. And if you had some leftover Australian super, you can transfer it over to New Zealand into your KiwiSaver. They do allow that, and it's not a taxable event. The thing to be mindful of, though, is the Australian portion, you can access at age 60, and it's kept separate, but you can't use it for your first home, for example. So they have different rules over in Australia, and they're still applied when you transfer it over. But so... It's all in the same thing. It's still in KiwiSaver, but it's separated in that sense. So that's um, that that would how that's how it would work, and why you'd want to consider transferring your Australian super over to New Zealand is because potentially you're paying less tax because there's no capital gains tax. So that's the first thing: Australian super versus KiwiSaver. Pretty good deal while you're over there. If you flip over, not a bad deal here. Just less of a contribution rate by your employers. Similar investment framework. 
Uh, the other thing is now, okay, what if you're in New Zealand and you want to buy a property in Australia? Is it possible? Short answer is yes. Long answer is tax is going to be somewhat of a nightmare. So they have something over there called stamp duty. And if you're a foreign investor, you actually have a stamp duty surcharge. So you potentially pay more. But basically, it's a tax that you pay when you purchase a property in Australia. It's called stamp duty. You don't have that in New Zealand. The other thing is if you're going to get a loan, you can get a loan from New Zealand, but you can only, you can get a loan in Australia while living in New Zealand, but you can only get a loan for the properties in Australia because that's their security. So the banks, they want that level of security over there. So if you're going to buy a house in Australia, you want to make sure that the lending vehicle is an Australian bank over there as well, but it is possible. And then once again, they have capital gains tax, but they do have different things that you can claim, for example, depreciation. So in New Zealand, you know, your, your property effectively is depreciating over time, but you can't claim that um, in terms of a tax deduction. So if you had a depreciation, you'd be able to be like, yo, my house is worth less. Like I should be able to get a tax deduction on that. So you, you can use that. But in New Zealand, they don't offer that. They only offer that for chattels, so basically movable items within the home like curtains, carpet, that sort of thing. You can claim depreciation on that. But in Australia, you can claim depreciation in general. Um, they also changed the interest rates here. So you used to be able to um, claim uh, interest rates on the mortgage that you have to run your rental property. You used to be able to use that to um, offset the tax liability, but now they've removed that as well as extending the bright line test from five to 10 years. So the government um, initiative there was to try and bring down house prices. Not sure if that's a good or bad vehicle. Um, no comment. Let's not make it political, uh, but that's what's happened. So it's gone quite challenging uh, to own rental property. The other thing is um, the healthy home standards. So you like if your heat pump, it doesn't re reach a certain criteria. It's a, a big fucking installment to try and replace that you know you got to make sure you have insulation so it's healthy home in terms of warmth um and then it's harder to get through rid of tenants so they brought in some new legislation where it's a lot um harder to get rid of tenants when you had them in so they're really really putting pressure on the rental property market um in australia the thing to be mindful of let's say you own australian property and you live in new zealand so there's three things to be mindful things things to be mindful of if you're potentially going to sell and come to new zealand and use the proceeds so obviously the capital gains tax liability um so talking to an accountant about that like how much do i have to pay on the capital gain there's also something called a non-resident withholding tax so basically, which is bizarre, if you have a loan for a rental property in Australia, but you're not living in Australia, then you may actually have to pay tax on the interest rate. So let's say you're paying 4% tax, a uh, 4% interest rate. The tax liability is potentially usually in the figure of around 10%. So 4% is the interest rate you're paying for a mortgage, but then you also have to pay the Australian government 10% tax on that 4%, so basically a 4.4% interest rate um, for non-resident withholding tax. So, kind of sucks. Um, and that, that would actually, I think I believe it's applied in New Zealand, so the non-resident withholding tax um, would be uh, something that you would have to owe inland revenue, so you'd be paying these repayments, but you'd be short to the bank because you've also got to cover your tax liability within inland revenue. 
The other thing is called financial arrangements. So basically the idea, because you own a rental property, there's going to be currency fluctuations over time. There's two main ways you can pay this liability. It's called get cash basis, or you can do it pay it as an ongoing liability. So basically currency is going to fluctuate over time and then you're going to sell your position and come over here, then, okay, you might have made a gain. But then what if you get into a position where you ain't a, you're not able to pay that gain? So to give the inland revenue some reassurance, you sort of calculate it on an ongoing basis on what that potential liability is for the currency fluctuation. So you pay, car, pay tax on the potential gain. So the thing to get around with the non-resident withholding tax um, uh, the way to get around that is having a lending vehicle in Australia that also has a New Zealand branch and seeing that they're registered the Reserve Bank and understanding and talking to the right person to explain that. But basically that would, if you tick the right box and you don't necessarily have the tax liability of the non-resident withholding tax, the financial arrangements, I'm not too sure on how you sort of minimize that. And then the other thing to be mindful of is overseas property, The um, it does apply the bright line test does apply to overseas property. So let's say you have a capital gains tax liability um, in Australia and then you sell it, but then you sell it within the time frame of the new 10 years or the five-year mark or the two-year mark, then you potentially have a capital gains tax. I, I say quotations on the gains tax because it's not technically an attack capital gains tax, but if you transfer it over, then you may have a doubled liability. The good news is there's some level of credit that can be applied because there's a double tax arrangement between Australia and New Zealand, but the idea is you don't necessarily want to put yourself in a position where you have to pay both. Um, and yeah, really talk to an accountant about that, but that was just to give you a quick overview that you can actually buy Australian property. You can use a lending vehicle in Australia. You can pay it from here. The only thing to be mindful is the ongoing tax liability. And then if you own Australian property over there, just be mindful of the capital gains tax and having that twice and then transferring that over and then also the non-resident withholding tax and making sure that the lending vehicle you have is the New Zealand branch. Um, and yeah, Australian super, pretty great vehicle, got a capital gains tax. So if you have an Australian super and New Zealand KiwiSaver, potentially there's a benefit to transfer it over, have it all one place, gear, geared towards a common vision. So there you go. There you go. Something new, something different. And uh if uh, you thought that was useful, uh, give us a review. It just gives more people the opportunity to not get caught in a position like some clients, you know, like they, they were in a position, weren't aware of a tax liability, and then they had to pay it. And it's not nice to finally pay that out of, out of the blue. So it's good to improve the education of others around us. And uh, once again, nzaudioeditors.com, because what else are you going to do in lockdown except start a podcast? And if you don't know where to start, then why not start with one of the best in the business? On that note, thank you. Kakite.